Whoa. 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 Tap in with your kin, folk, you building a lot. Got the keys to the city when the city in lock. Open your mind, you can see the culture defined. Through the music and lifestyle, get deep in the lines. Seeking you fine, we just want our people to shine. On that platform, platform, you can rewind. This is bigger than some content, you can decide. Got the keys to the city, podcast is a vibe. Tap in. Yo, 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 what's going on, Ken Fogg? Welcome to another episode of Key to the City Podcast. Glad you all could join us once again. I appreciate everybody just been supporting the platform. We can't do it without you. And we're back for a fourth season. And we're still rolling along. And we're here with our third episode. So I appreciate all the supports, the likes, the comments, the shares, the word of mouth, whatever you've been doing. I sure appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, as always, we're going to continue to bring you high-quality content. Well, high quality guests, and today is no different. Uh, the gentleman we're speaking with today is going to provide us with a lot of knowledge, especially for you small business owners out there that's trying to protect your assets. You know, we're in an era where everybody's suing you for everything these days. You breathe on them the wrong way, they know you got something, they're coming after you. So, we want to find out more information how to protect those assets. So, the gentleman we're speaking with today is a Supreme Court counselor, he's the founder of Legal Leads Corp which they specialize in solving asset protection and tax problems for high net worth individuals. Uh, he holds three university degrees. He got that knowledge there. He's held licenses in real estate, mortgage brokering, securities, uh, life insurance, and uh, nationally recognized in the areas of business structure, asset protection, financial planning, and estate planning, which is all important that we need to be taking advantage of that while we still have the opportunity, while we still breathe. And he's the author of 19 books. Wow. I can barely write in my journal every day, so I don't know where he finds the time. Author of 19 books, and he also serves on the editorial board for several publications. And he's helped over a million people uh, learn law and how to apply it to make money and also protect their assets. So hopefully we can apply some of that knowledge today. Uh, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the city Attorney Lee R. Phillips. How you doing, boss man? Good, sir. How are you, Keone? I can't complain. I can't complain. We're glad to have you on. How's your day going so far? My honor to be here. Thank you so much. We're doing great. Good, good, good. First of all, I just want you to give a brief description for my audience of what exactly a Supreme Court counselor is. Sounds like it's heavy duty. That's simply an attorney who can argue cases in the Supreme Court. There aren't a lot of those. I'm also a federal uh, tax court attorney. And so I argue cases with the IRS. And we're talking to little business people today. It's my understanding. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, what I want to portray is your little business is your most important tax shelter. Uh, mm. we, we talk about asset protection. And if I say asset protection, your knee-jerk reaction is a lawsuit, right? Correct. No, 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 no. We're going to go way beyond that. Okay. 56% uh, of all bankruptcies in the United States are a result of somebody in the family getting sick. And Ooh. I was a young man, 27 years old. Uh, I started a chemistry company. I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and I had a law degree. And I started a chemistry company and about six 
months after I started the chemistry company, I got sick. Mm. I got really sick. And I won't go into that story, but it was six months in intensive care and a real problem. But I lost everything. Uh, I, I lost the little business. I got sued over the little business because we couldn't fulfill the contracts. Uh, one of the biggest problems is, is my wife and I, she, we moved to a different city because that was where my treatment was. I had to be in a university hospital. I was an experimental and she missed one of the 10 day notices that the IRS was sending out. The IRS maintained that we owed taxes for a period two years before I started my business. Mm. I thought of the business or saying I owe taxes. I fight them off for a while and then we move and uh, we didn't really move, but we had to leave the house and go to this right. other city to get treated. And the IRS sent us a 10 day notice. We missed that. The IRS came in. They took all the money out of the business accounts. They got more money than they needed out of the business accounts. But just to make sure they covered their tails, they took all of the business accounts. They seized all of my bank accounts. They took my home, everything. And we couldn't pay the employees. We couldn't fulfill the government contracts that we have. We got sued over that just because the IRS made a mistake. And about two years later, they finally said, yeah, I guess we made a mistake. And they paid me all the money back with interest. Wow. But it didn't matter that I'd lost the business and everything else. So the question isn't if you get sued, do you lose your business? Mm -hmm. The question is if you get divorced, if somebody in the family gets sick, if, if there's one of these, I'm going to say life problems, yeah. then are you going to lose the business? And so we need to protect the business from those types of things in addition to the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And we need to use your little business as a tax shelter because the IRS is your biggest asset protection threat, guys. I mean, they're taking a chunk of everything you make. And Correct. if we can cut that chunk by 10 or 20 percent, that's huge. Uh, it, it's it's absolutely mind boggling. People don't understand taxes. What's the eighth wonder of the world? You remember, Keone? Compound interest. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that before. <laughs> what people don't understand is taxes are compound interest in reverse. Mm -hmm. uh, let me do just uh, two second. Please. For you. Take your if time. I take a dollar and I double it 20 times, $1, $2, $4, $8, $16, $32, you got it? Yes, sir. If I do that 20 times, I have a million 48,000 in cash. Okay, let's take the same dollar, but tax it. Each time you bring in money, you have to tax it, right? Mm -hmm. Let's tax it at a 40% rate. Now, federal and state, a lot of your listeners, little business people are going to be in a 40% tax bracket. Uh, so I have $1, I double it to two, but... I have an extra dollar in profit, so I got to tax it at 40%, so I lose 40 cents on that dollar. So I don't have, end up with two bucks, I end up with a buck 60, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Double the buck 60, 320, but I got to tax the extra buck 60, so I end up with $2.56.
So over here, I have a million forty-eight thousand. But now I've taxed it at forty percent, and the knee-jerk reaction is, okay, I lost forty percent of a million bucks. That's four hundred thousand dollars. That means I've got six hundred thousand dollars left over here where it's taxed. And the answer is no. The answer is hell no. <laughs> yeah. I've got a million forty-eight over here. Mm -hmm. I've got 12,089 over here. I went from a million 48 to 12,089. That's what taxes do to you. So if we can save 10 or 20% on your taxes, that's millions of dollars over the life of your business. It's huge. And the problem is your, your accountant, he's never brought you in and he said, you know, we need to teach you how to use your little business as a tax shelter. Right. They don't Why do don't that. they do that? Why not? Well, Wouldn't they don't it benefit do it. them in the long run. What's that? Wouldn't it benefit the accountant in the long run to well, if you it it actually would because the taxes might become more complicated. Mm -hmm. But the problem is as soon as the accountant starts to counsel you and work with you, they take on liability. You consume because they gave you bad advice. If they take the numbers you give them, they plug them into the computer, they spit out your taxes, there's there's no liability in that, is there? No. Wow. So so they don't counsel you. That's the problem. And so you've got to learn on your own. Let me just run through for two seconds, and I'm just going to give you the the uh, uh, cliff note version. If you remember what cliff notes yes. were, the short stories in, in, in school. Correct. Uh, if you're a little business guy, if you're selling products and services, you need to be taxed under subchapter S of the IRS code. People say, oh, that's an S corporation. Well, no, you're not going to use a corporation. If you've got a corporation, you've got to change it now. You've got to move it to a limited liability company, an LLC. So you're going to have an LLC taxed under subchapter S. That's how we're going to, going to run this little business selling goods and services. Okay. If you're uh, in real estate, you get passive income. You don't sell goods and services. You get rents. Then you're going to have an LLC and you're going to have it taxed as a partnership. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons here. One, you don't want a sole proprietorship. That's you file a, you file a 1040 with a schedule C, okay? Now you can have an LLC taxed as a as a sole proprietorship and that gives you all the asset protection. We're going to talk about asset protection in 2 seconds. We're talking taxes now. Totally different. Okay. You're going to have it taxed as either a partnership or under subchapter S of the IRS code. And the reason is, currently there are 87,000 IRS agents. They're going to add another 87,000. Uh, they're going to double the number of IRS agents. And... This year, they're going to hire 30,000, and they're well into that already. Any one of the 100,000 agents that they now have can audit a 1040 with a Schedule C or a Schedule E. 
less than one half of 1% of the agents can audit a subchapter S or a partnership. The reason is in order to audit a subchapter S or a partnership, you have to have a degree in accounting. Mm. And how many of these 30,000 new agents <laughs> you're getting are going to have a degree in accounting? And you have to be trained for three years by the IRS okay. at a cost of almost a million bucks to the IRS. That means almost nobody can audit a subchapter S entity or a partnership. So you're going to operate under one of those two, all right? Mm -hmm. For the audit protection. Plus, you're going to operate as a subchapter S if you're a small business selling goods and services. You're going to have a subchapter S because the subchapter S laws, and you can have a corporation taxed under subchapter S, or you can have an LLC taxed under subchapter S. Okay. But the subchapter S laws say you have to take a reasonable salary out of the company. So you make $100,000, you're a plumber, uh, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing uh, yards, you're, you're selling clothes, whatever. Mm -hmm. You make $100,000, you take, let's say, $20,000 out as a salary. Mm -hmm. That's subject to the self-employment W-2 type taxes, 15.3%. The other 80,000, you then distribute. We call it a distribution. We distribute it to yourself. But there's no 15.3% tax on this 80,000. Mm. So you just saved what, like $10,000, $12,000 at least? Because you didn't have to pay the payroll taxes on the 80,000, only on the 20,000 you took as a salary. So that's number one reason you're using a subchapter S right there. Okay. Woo. Now, why are you using an LLC? You're using an LLC because it's a marriage of a partnership and a corporation. Back 1977 in Wyoming, they created this new animal called a limited liability company. Mm -hmm. And they basically married partnerships and corporations. Well, it got the DNA from the daddy corporation that gives you the corporate shield. I got my corporate shield. You can't sue me. You've got to sue the company. So it protects you from what happens out in the company world. Right. The corporate shield does. But the LLC has another aspect to it. And by the way, it's the identical corporate shield that a corporation has, okay? Mm -hmm. The LLC has another asset protection facet. And that is, it protects the assets of the company from what happens to the owner of the company. You get in trouble personally. How do you get in trouble personally? You get sick. Yeah. You get divorced. Uh, divorce isn't a business problem, is it? Might be bad business, but it's not a business problem. <laughs> right. Uh, you hit a kid in the crosswalk on the way to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Those are all personal problems 
not business problems. Right. And your business is probably your biggest asset, frankly. And yet the lawyers only talk about protecting you from what happens in the business. They never talk about protecting the business from what happens to you. And yet I've seen a lot more people lose the business because they got in trouble personally than I have seen people be sued and lose everything because of something that happened inside of the business. There's the slip and fall in the business. That's a business yeah. Okay, how are we going to protect the business from you? Well, there's a piece of asset protection that a partnership has. Now, everybody's always said, oh, partnership has no asset protection, right? I've heard that, yeah. Well, what they mean is, is as the partner, you're liable for everything that happens in the business. But... The partnership has another aspect of asset protection that people don't understand. And I'm going to have to give you a history lesson. You ready for boring history, Keone? We're here for it. Okay, here we go. 400 years ago in England, the only type of business structure there was, was a partnership. So me and you and, and, and Joe, uh, we go into business together. And we spend 30 years, we build a beautiful business. Yeah. And then Joe gets sick. Joe doesn't pay the king. He hits somebody with his horse. I don't know how you got in trouble 400 years ago in England, okay? Right. <laughs> Joe gets in trouble. So Joe gets in trouble and he gets sued. And his creditor, the guy suing him, wins the, the judgment against him. And he gets his partnership interest. Okay. That creditor comes in and they tell me and you, Lee and Keone, to stick it. Uh, they can do whatever they want. The definition of a partner is they can do anything. So this creditor of Joe comes in and he sells our business right out from under us. Yeah. You and I didn't do a thing wrong, did we? We got no screwed. To right. put it in plain English. I don't know if they used that in England 400 years ago or not, but yeah. that's what it was. We got uh, we got screwed. <laughs> yeah. And the Brits said, wait a minute. That's not fair. Lee and Coney, they didn't do anything wrong. That's not fair. So they passed a law which said when Joe's creditor gets the judgment against him, then he has to go back to court and ask for an order which charges the debt that Joe owes this creditor, that charges the debt that Joe owes this creditor to our partnership. In legal language, we say this creditor has an economic lien okay. against the partnership. But the guy can't come in as a partner. He can't tell me and you what to do. He can't manage the the business affairs. He can't sell it. He can't do anything. When we declare a profit, then he gets the profit. Joe doesn't get the profit. So this does a couple of things. What it does is it protects the business assets from what happens to the owners of the company. That's pretty cool, guys. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, that's really cool. Because you get in trouble personally, you don't lose your business. Your business goes on. You can declare personal bankruptcy because somebody in the family gets wow. sick. And you still have your business. That business is not included in that bankruptcy. If it's a corporation, the bankruptcy will include the stock in the corporation. Once I get your stock, I throw you out. I elect me as the new president. I own that corporation, lock, stock, and barrel. No, the limited liability company is different. That's why I just told you, if you are operating as a corporation, you need to change to an LLC. Now, it's easy. Every state has a a form. All you have to do is, is get a form from the state. Fill it out, and it will change your corporation to an LLC. Now, you're not going to change your tax ID number, nothing. Okay. The, the IRS doesn't know whether you have a corporation or an LLC. Hmm. They just know that you have an animal that's taxed under subchapter S, or an animal that's taxed as a partnership, or an animal that's taxed under chapter C of the IRS code. We talk about C corporations and S corporations. The corporation is the same. It's just that one's taxed under subchapter S and one's taxed under chapter C. So we'll change the business structure from a corporation to an LLC, but the tax structure is going to remain identical. That's pretty cool, guys. Very cool. Uh, but now what we have is this, we call it charging order protection. He had to go back to court and get an order which charged the debt against the partnership, the company, remember? Mm-hmm. So we call it a charging order. And it's called charging order protection. So we now have a company which not only gives us the corporate shield that protects me from what happens out in the company, we have a company that now protects the company assets from what happens to the owners of the company. Now, I'm going to tell you that in about 15 states now, they're requiring two members, two owners of the LLC in order to get this charging order protection. And the reason is, it's it's logical, okay? The reason is, the original charging order was not to protect Joe, was it? It was to protect Lee and Keone. Mm-hmm. If there's a single member LLC, this guy doesn't have any partners, any other right. owners to protect. So why give him charging order protection? And the states are starting to run that logic, it basically started in Florida with a case called Olmstead. Mr. Olmstead was a dirty dude, and he embezzled tens of millions of dollars from Floridians. And the government actually threw him in jail and said, okay, see those tens of millions of dollars over there? Give them back. We want them back. We're going to give them to your victims. Now, Mr. Olmstead, he's a smart dude. And Florida law says the only remedy that the creditor 
of a member has is a charging order. And Mr. Olmstead sticks his tongue out and says, nah, 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 nah. you can't get to those assets, those tens of millions of dollars. They're in an LLC. I'm sitting in jail. How often do you think I'm going to declare a profit? Mm. And he told the Supreme Court justices in Florida to go pound sand. There's only <laughs> one problem with that. There's lots of sand in Florida. The Indeed. Supreme Court justices aren't interested in pound and stand. So they scratched their head and said, okay, Mr. Olmstead, you don't got any Lees and Keones. You're a single member. Screw you. Henceforth and forever in Florida, one member LLCs, single member LLCs, don't get charging order protection. And there are now several states that have actually passed laws which say that single member LLCs don't get charging order protection. So you need a partner. In a lot of states, that could be husband and wife. In community property states, no, you got to have somebody else. But throw your kid on for 5% or something. Let's get this charging order protection. I now have an entity which protects me from what happens in the company and protects the company from what happens to me. Plus, I have a tax structure that allows me to take a reasonable salary and distribute the rest, but that distribution isn't subject to the 15.3% employment taxes. So we just saved you a lot of money and protected your business. Amazing. <laughs> oh, man, you're a guru at this, man. Is that what you wanted me to talk about, Keone? Yes, you hit it right on the head. And all of my business owners, these are questions that, because in my real life, I deal with uh, commercial lending. My whole career has been in banking oh, okay. all the way up. Uh, so they have some questions that I just can't answer. So that's what prompted me to seek out someone that could answer these questions for them. And uh, we definitely well, appreciate thank it. You did that. I have a, a free... 14 page ebook mm -hmm. on uh on what i call double asset protection that explains this in more detail if you'd like to offer that to your folk i sure would how can we access it uh can you put up a link for them or something yeah on your site i'll get you a link and they'll just okay. download it on on the internet it's free no big deal okay now uh i, I had a personal question as far as uh, business structure is concerned. What are your thoughts on like multiple subsidiaries under a parent LLC? Well, I don't like the parent LLC concept because okay. if I can attack the parent, then I can get all of the babies underneath the parent, right? Mm. Okay. If I don't have a parent, then I have to attack each one of them individually. And each one of them mm. is an insulated. I asset protection cocoon mm -hmm. and in and of itself. And in order for me to attack this one and then come and attack this one, there has to be what we call a causal connection. The causal connection can be an act. You cause the accident. It can be ownership. Uh, you own the car that caused the accident. 
or it can be management. You you maintained, you managed the car that caused the accident. Wow. I have to tie you to that somehow. And if I can't tie you to it, I can't sue you. If I have a parent and then I have baby LLCs underneath it, I can tie them to each other through the parent. Can wow. you see that? Mm -hmm. They have common ownership. If they each stand on their own, this business that owns my rental unit and the business that owns the uh, grocery store, they have right. nothing to do with each other. I can't attack one of them and have an excuse for t attacking the other one. So I don't like the parent. That's me personally. And I might as well state it up front. Okay, Keone, you're going to. Have your LLC in the state where you are doing business or where the property is owned. End of discussion. You don't go to Wyoming. You don't go to Nevada. You don't go to Utah. You don't okay. go to Wyoming. You don't go to Delaware. I mean, you stay in the state where you are doing business or where you own property. And you can't find me anybody. I'll, I'll, I'll pay big bucks if you can find me anybody that says, Man, am I ever glad I had my Wyoming LLC when I was doing business in Texas or Mississippi <laughs> or wherever. You can't find me one. No, I don't think I can. I can find you a lot of people that say, wow, I think I wasted my money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. You don't have a lot of that. Um, and another question I had was... Um, so we do need separate LLCs for each entity. And well, you can't have too many LLCs. There are gurus running around telling the real estate investors, oh, you need a separate LLC for each one of your 20 yeah. properties. Yeah. You can't manage 20 LLCs. Uh, what we're doing is we're creating, I, I call them legal baskets. Remember the old saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket? Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, but if I have 20 properties and I've got four baskets with five each, I can manage the four baskets. I could carry all four of them down the street right. at the same time. If I've got 20 baskets, I can't, I, I can't do anything. I can't carry 20 baskets all at the same time. And you can't maintain. 20 LLCs. And when you get into court, they're always going to sue you and the LLC. The whole argument is, was this a real company or was it what we call your alter ego? Mm -hmm. And you need to prove that this is a real company. The way you prove that it's a real company is by what, the, what we've termed formalities. Did you hold your meetings? Did you commingle your money. Did you do this? Did you do that? And you run through these lit this list and you say, yep, I did all that stuff. And the judge says, yeah, it was a real company. But if you've got 20 LLCs, you can't do all of these things for every one of the 20 right. LLCs. Right. Don't work. Makes, makes sense. An old friend told me once, you can't ride a horse with half an ass. So that's true. <laughs> Last question I got for you. Estate planning. 
Is it only necessary for high net worth individuals? Absolutely not. Uh, The mom and pop shop lose a much higher percentage of their wealth when mom and dad die than the rich people do. Yeah, the rich people may lose more dollars, but it's not nearly as high a percentage of their wealth. Uh, I'm going to say at a minimum, you need a will. A will is going to tell you how you divide up the property. But if you have little kids, I want to see a will on you. This is the saddest area that I've seen in the law. Uh, Because if you don't name the guardians, the court gets to name the guardians. The court ain't going to do what you want them to do half the time. Come on. So always have a will. I would recommend that you have a trust. Because the living revocable trust is what it's called. Okay. Will avoid probate. And 95% of businesses fail when the founder dies. A big reason for that is the business gets caught up in this probate process. And basically, the guys who want to manage the business and carry it on, their hands are tied because everything they do is subject to the probate court. And so basically they're shut down for a year, year and a half. And in a year and a half, if I don't have free reign over the company, it's gone. Correct. So the living revocable trust, and you're going to have a will with that. It's going to be called a pour over will because that will will name the guardian, but it isn't going to distribute the property. It's going to pour everything over back into the living revocable trust if it has to go through probate. The only purpose of the will is to take it through probate. Once it's through probate, it pours it over into the trust, and then the distribution is made according to the terms of the trust. Understood. Very pertinent information. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be with you today. Yes, sir. This wealth of knowledge that you dropped on us. Uh, we appreciate your time. I'm we can sure help that my- one or ahead, two. Ahead. That's great. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you have more than that, at least five, knowing my audience. <laughs> so, uh, guys, you follow uh, Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips, you have um, any social media? I'm not too social. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've got a website called Legal Lease, L-E-G-A-L-E-E-S, and I got it. I don't ever check Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel. I put a lot of lot of stuff on YouTube. Okay, that's under legalese as well. Under legalese as well. Yep. Legalese. It's a pun on my name. I see. Oh yeah, I put that two and two together. So guys, make sure you follow that. Uh, Go check out his YouTube. Check out the website that's scrolling below. Again, Attorney Lee Phillips. Thank you very much. And uh, you have the key to the city now. And we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You have a good evening.